she shares. I pray that your spirit would just breathe on the gifts that you have imparted to her and that you would empower her to speak and to articulate what you've put on her heart. And would you empower us even more to hear and to receive, to know what the spirit is saying to the church. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Do you want your drink? Good morning. Can you all hear me? Is the mic working? Huh? What? <laughs> um. <clears throat> So this is a first for me. I've preached many times, um, but never with PowerPoint. So uh, I might have gone a little overboard with the PowerPoint, um, some elaborate slides and uh, um, things. So uh, there you go. That's all for you. <laughs> um, and. So let's just dive in. Um, how do we recognize the kingdom of heaven? That's our, uh, that's our question for this morning. How do we recognize the kingdom of heaven? Um, when you think about the kingdom, just in your own mind for a moment, uh, what do you imagine? Just think about that for a moment. Does it look anything like this picture? What about this picture? This is supposed to be the New Jerusalem in Revelation, I'm pretty sure. Or what about something like this? I love this picture, it's so enchanting. Our text this morning actually suggests the kingdom of heaven is something more like this, uh, daily life. Um, we see a snapshot um, from lives um, in the text this morning of um, a farming situation, a home situation. Uh, we hear about a fisherman and a merchant and so on, doing everyday things that uh, in these parables illustrate um, aspects of the kingdom of God. Um, through the course of human life, we often get only fleeting glimpses of the kingdom of God. Um, and Jesus knows this, um, that for most of us, we, we only get just a little taste of it. Um, and so in a spirit of hospitality, which is our theme this summer, in a spirit of hospitality, um, Jesus is um, inviting um, and says, look for these things um, when um, looking for the kingdom of God, just in your daily life. Look for these signs. Um, and be welcomed in, if only for a moment. So let's look at the source. Um, our text this morning is um, from two sections of Matthew 13. Uh, we'll look at verses 31 through 33, and then 44 to 52. Could I get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people to read slides? Just uh, check in with yourself, see if you're willing to uh, read out loud. And um, uh, just feel free to, uh, to read when the slide advances. Would someone read this first one? He put before them another parable, 
Thank you. Oh my. Have you understood all this? They answered yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasures what is new and what is old. Thank you, everyone. That's great. Here we go. Okay, so that's a lot of information. It's so many parables, I was like, this is just too much. <laughs> How do we go through this in any meaningful way? Um, uh, but we will. Um, and uh, because it's so much, I, uh, when the disciples say yes, I'm like, really? Yeah. It's more of like a deer in the headlights. Uh, yeah, 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 we get it. We get it. Let's, <laughs> let's move on so we can go away and process all that information. Um, so let's figure out what Jesus is actually saying. Um, as we get some clues, um, we'll come back to this slide and, um, and we'll just start making a list of, uh, of aspects of the kingdom of heaven. Um, things to notice when we're welcomed into an experience. Um, so beginning with the mustard seed. Why does Jesus choose such a small, unremarkable seed to describe the kingdom of heaven? Because of how quickly it grows. Um, it's in a category of plants that grow at an unprecedented rate, and it begins with a tiny seed like this. This is a mustard seed. And it can get up to 20 feet tall. Um, it's pretty hard to find pictures of mustard mustard plants on the internet, because they're all like mixed up with, it's mostly people's blogs, um, where they've like gone to the Holy Land or somewhere, and, um, and it's like sometimes it's actually an oak tree, because they're also talking about oak trees in the, <laughs> so anyway, this is, um, this is uh, one plant with a, a man there for scale, um, and uh, showing um, kind of a mild version, I think, of what the mustard plant will actually look like. Um, but it grows to 20 feet tall, and it's described as just being wild. Um, Jesus doesn't choose a neat and tidy plant 
right? He doesn't cho choose like a soybean plant that's, that's planted in rows and, and grows up nice and neat and, um, and uh, makes uh, soybeans and is harvested and, and it's all neat and tidy and orderly and all that kind of stuff. Um, the kingdom uh, begins with something so small it's almost imperceptible. And it grows right before our eyes into something unpredictable and untamed. Something that looks awkward and untidy, but provides shade for the birds, um, as is uh, described in the text. The kingdom of God is something that radically reorients what is expected. So we'll start there. Grows quickly, wild, and unpredictable. All right. So the yeast. This next parable is just as interesting as the first parable. I learned so much by, let's see, um, by going through these texts. <laughs> Did you know that while uh, yeast or leaven is um, pretty benign um, in our day, it was actually pretty dangerous um, in, in Jesus' time. Um, it was an agent that is pretty gross, actually, <laughs> um, bloated and rotted corpses. Um, and, um, of course, we know that, um, that leaven was cleaned out of houses for the Passover in the Jewish tradition, um, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, clean out all the leavening. Um, and it was created by setting aside a portion um, of the leftover spoiled bread. Um, and they spoiled it to create the leavening for the next batch of bread. Not spoiled enough, it is worthless and can't be used. It's not helpful for rising. Allowed to spoil too long, and it ruins the bread and can cause food poisoning. Um, so it's really a kind of controlled substance um, in their time. And this is the image that Jesus uses to talk about the kingdom of God, right? Um, three measures of flour was used to create the bread. Um, and that, uh, we don't, uh, use those measurements these days. Um, according to the scholars, it's a huge amount of flour, um, like enough for a wedding feast um, kind of thing. And so just a, the small amount of leavening um, put together with this huge amount of flour made all these loaves of bread. Um, and uh, it reminded me of a story that I heard on the CBC um, this past week. Um, it actually happened in Washington State. There was this truck. Did anybody else hear this story on the CBC? Um, so there's this truck with um, dough that's like left over from bakeries, and um, it's going down I-5, and, um, and it's like leaving these piles of dough everywhere because it's an open top, and um, in the heat, it just rose more and more and more. <laughs> He's leaving these little, um, what look like pizza pies all over the freeway for 30 miles. Wow. <laughs> he didn't notice this for 30 miles. Um, and uh, so, anyway, there's the kingdom of God for you. Um, 
extravagant and messy and uh, all those good things. So, um, so it's not neat and tidy. Um, the kingdom of God is found in the messy, in the rotten, in the dangerous even. Um, it brings abundance out of things that are capable of harm. Um, I saw in studying these texts um, the messy side of God, right? The messy side of God. Um, it's easier for the kingdom to come through the mess than when things are neat and tidy and wrapped up in a little bow, right? So here we go. Abundance out of the unclean or something like that. Okay, so then we have the hidden treasure. The parable of the hidden treasure. Remember, this is um, a man finds a treasure, he hides it in this guy's field, and then he sells all of his possessions in order to buy the field. So it makes one wonder, like, why is he messing around in this guy's field? Like, this doesn't seem like upstanding behavior. Um, And so God's coming, or Jesus is... Um, is coming again, um, not the upstanding, not using the upstanding citizen as um, as an illustration, but someone of questionable um, character. But in the process, he finds something so compelling that he's willing to give up his former life for this treasure that's in the field. He's willing to completely 180 his life. So this parable is about a personal encounter with God and a wholehearted commitment to the kingdom. This is an encounter for sinners or parts of us that have the tendency to sin and turn from God. But let's be clear. Um... The kingdom of God is not something that we can dig up and possess for ourselves, right? No image is perfect um, in, uh, in communicating um, uh, what we're talking about. Um, it's not an object to possess. Rather, it's a sphere in which we're invited to enter. Um, And while the two previous parables were more focused on God's action, the growing of the mustard seed, the leavening of the bread, this one is is about the human response to the kingdom, right? Um, And what we do, how we respond when we recognize the signs of the kingdom. So personal encounter with God, wholehearted change in behavior a turning toward God. And then the merchant in the pearl. Beautiful, large pearl. Um, So the merchant is searching for pearls. He finds a pearl that um, is hugely valued, um, great value. Um, And then he sells everything and buys this pearl Now, merchants in Jesus' day, kind of like the shady character in the last story, um, they were held in public esteem 
um, like a used car salesman today. Um, so their motives and scruples were suspect. Um, and it was best to go into an interaction with them um, with your wits about you, knowing uh, what you want, what you're willing to give up, how much money you're willing to give up. Um, and um, so, so this guy, um, he's doing his business. He's, um, he's buying and selling, trading. Um, and he finds this thing that changes his life completely. He's willing, again, like the story before, he's willing to put himself out of business um, to make the ultimate purchase. Um, once he purchases the pearl, there is nothing left to buy or sell. Nothing else has any value. Um, just this one thing. It's interesting that both the merchant and the treasure hunter, um, uh, yeah, merchant and the treasure hunter are out searching. Um, I was scrolling through Facebook the other night, um, and I came across a kind of Dear Abby column article uh, that one of my friends posted. And, um, and the article was answering a question of a woman in her mid-20s. This woman had been to college and was working, had a stable boyfriend who she saw a future with, and all these things. Um, but she was bored. She's like, isn't there more to life than going to work and coming home, watching Netflix, having dinner, and going to bed? Isn't there something more than that? And I was a little disappointed in the response of this um, uh, author. Because um, while she encouraged this young woman to go out and have experiences, she didn't name the thing that was missing as a connection to the divine, a connection to God. And in our Christian context, a personal relationship with Christ, right? She didn't name that, and I was kind of irritated. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can go out and have experiences, but it can still be empty without that relationship. Um, I've never known anyone to wonder if there's something more in life who was also aware of the inbreaking of God's kingdom in their life, right? Um, the fact that the merchant and the treasure hunter are searching, the fact that they're searching at all, means that God is already searching their hearts for a way to connect. God is always seeking us first, and our seeking is in response to God. Always. So seeking and searching. If we are seeking and searching, the kingdom of God must be near. Okay. Everybody take a deep breath. We're almost there. So the fishing nets and the gnashing of teeth. Um, the fishing net is cast into the sea. And it picks up every kind of fish. When the net is full and brought in, they sift through and they separate the good from the bad. Seems like an obvious thing to do uh, when you're fishing and trying to sell fish at market. It's a story about the church. 
Um, people of all kinds find their way into the church, make a home here, and sometimes we get comfortable. We live in community together, we support each other, and forget about the work of the kingdom. It happens all the time. It's easy to listen to this parable about the church, knowing about the gnashing of teeth and all of that at the end, and wonder if we're going to be one of the ones pulled out. Um, but it's more about reminding ourselves not to be, uh, not to forget, not to be comfortable. Because being in the church is not about being in the church and being comfortable. It's about being in community, doing God's work, right? We know this um, in this congregation. Yeah. Um, and so um, rather than judging whether we're good enough, um, it's kind of like uh, setting a fire under us, right? To, um, to be active, actively working um, for the kingdom of God. Um, and there's lots of work to do. Um, vast uh, systems um, that create oppression and evil in the world. Um, there's lots of work to do. Um, and that work continues until Jesus comes again. Um, the work is not going to be done, um, but it will be continued um, by us. And, uh, and we will do it. Where am I? There we go. Um, we'll do it with God's help. So um, we're actively working for the kingdom. Um, where we are, we are actively working for the kingdom, we will find signs of the kingdom. Um, so, have we understood? Do we understand? That's where we are in the text. <laughs> Do we understand? Um, in this last piece of text, Jesus wraps up his speech with yet another parable. Um, and I'm going, oh my goodness, so many parables. Um, since the disciples say that they understand, Jesus continues. Um, and uh, he finishes with this. Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is, old, what is new and what is old. And the treasure, of course, is scripture. Scribes in Jesus' time were kind of like rabbis in training. Um, they studied, they taught, they copied biblical texts, um, and they were under mentorship to become rabbis. Um, so to bring out the old, um, no, let me back up a minute. They were trained to honor the old and seek the new in biblical texts. To bring out the old is to take uh, the witness of the tradition seriously. We take seriously where we've come from um, and what has been rescued and saved and treasured um, by our ancestors in faith. To bring out the new is to engage in conversation, to maintain the continuity um, while changing how we receive the tradition uh, based on the teachings of Jesus. 
there are two kinds of teachings of Jesus, as received through the tradition, um, and those, um, those of, uh, of the living Lord speaking to the community through contemporary scribes. Um, I, for instance, didn't all this, get all this information on my own. Um, I read commentaries and, um, and notes uh, in my Bible and um, stuff written by scholars and professional theologians who, uh, who have dug into this stuff for years. Um, and that stuff is invaluable because ministers don't have time to do that. <laughs> um, but we all work together. Um, and so I, I also... Um, prayed and looked at images and um, read stories to bring this stuff alive for us today, or to try, at least. Um, that's, our, uh, that's our mandate as preachers. Um, so, so the scribe, um, the text about the scribe is really describing um, what the scribe does. Um, right, so... Um, Jesus is clear in the parable that the tradition is really important, but so is understanding it um, in our uh, modern context, right? So new life found within the tradition, um, because we're always grounded in that tradition. So those are all the parables. Um, We know the kingdom of God... um, because it grows quickly. It starts small. We might not even notice it, but it grows quickly. It's wild and unpredictable. Um, It is abundance out of something that we thought was unclean. Um, It's a personal encounter, a wholehearted change in behavior. It's seeking and searching for the kingdom in response to God seeking us actively working for the kingdom. And it's new life found within the tradition. That was really interesting to me. So these parables are intended to inspire our imagination about how God's kingdom is breaking into the world in which we live. Um, Though the kingdom of God may be easier to understand with some modern images, some modern parables. Some of us may bake bread at home. Um, Not very many of us farm, unless uh, you're growing vegetables outside. Um, So that might be a useful image. Um, Any treasure hunters or merchants? Yeah, you. (laughs) Merchants, scribes, Um, uh, fishermen, people. Fisher people? Yeah, so, um, so I'm wondering about um, some modern parables that describe the kingdom of God. Or maybe experiences of the kingdom of God uh, that we would want to share with the community. So just think about these questions. Um, What in your world produces the abundance of a mustard plant? What in our time is like leaven, um, seen as corrupt, um, 
unclean, but actually is an agent of God's transforming power. What would we give up everything to possess? It's an interesting question. What would we give up everything to possess? While you're thinking about those things, um, here's a couple of images for you. I'm really liking the, um, the overflowing dough truck. Um, messy on the freeway, overflowing with abundance um, of uh, bread dough, um, making a mess all over the freeway. I like, I like the messiness and the abundance of that. I like that, that image. Um, in our hospitality um, context uh, that we're learning about this summer, the kingdom of God is like a family that meets some new friends and quickly puts a leaf for a couple of leaves in their table to make more room. That's the kingdom of God to me. Um, after spending quite a bit of time on Trout Lake over the winter when it froze, um, I think the kingdom of God is like a lake that froze over creating a magical gathering space for the community. Um, or it's like a pizza, it's like an idea that turned into a pizza party that fed everybody for a week. The idea grows into a gathering. Um, I really like this. It's not, it's not about the kingdom of heaven, but, um, but I really like it. Um, so uh, it's a short parable. A woman asked, was asked by a coworker, what's it like to be a Christian? And the woman replied, it's like being a pumpkin. God picks you from the patch, brings you in, washes all the dirt off of you, then he cuts off the top, scoops out the yucky stuff, he removes the seeds of doubt, hate, greed, etc., and then he carves you a new smiling face, and he puts his light inside of you to shine for all the world to see. Isn't that nice? Um, one final um, image before I see if any of you have anything to share. Um, uh, my favorite um, scripture that gets to the heart of this is in Acts, um, Acts 16. Um, it's the story of the jailer who, um, uh, so Silas and Paul are in prison, and there's an earthquake. And um, the jailer's asleep, um, but Paul and Silas say, hey, we can just stay here, it's fine. Um, even though the doors are open and the chains are off and all of that, the jailer wakes up and he's so afraid of what his boss is going to do to him because he assumes that everybody escaped, that um, he's ready to end his life, right? Um, and Paul says, no, 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 wait, wait, we're here, we're here, it's all fine. And he sees, the jailer sees in Paul and Silas's actions to stay where they are, he sees that there is another realm right here where we are, where God's authority is the only authority. He leaves the authority of, the, of daily life, of the social constructs that he's around, and he realizes that God is the only authority. And it just takes 
seeing a situation differently to notice that. And he asks, how do I become saved? And so he and his family, um, all of his family, become Christians that day. I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, so um, at the end of every service, for those who are not with us, um, we, uh, we have a time of, of response to, um, to the teaching. Um, and so my invitation um, this morning, it's almost afternoon, it's almost time for a potluck, or for a lunch, um, is uh, to either, if you have an image that's just great or not so great and you just want to share it, um, of the kingdom of God and how we would recognize it, um, please come up and share. If you have a story about a, the kingdom of God as you've experienced it and you'd like to share that with the community, um, I'm welcome. Uh, I welcome you to do that as well. Um, and so we'll just sit in silence for a minute or so um, and uh, come up as you feel called. Are there any other uh, prophetic words or uh, words of wisdom for the uh, community? Come on up here, Kenny. I don't do this. I want to hear this. Okay, you will like Okay, my view of the kingdom of God. I've got a minute at least, right? Sure. Okay. I, for the last five years, I've been practicing uh, survival techniques. Um, I've learned quite a bit. Um, so my kingdom of God now is, um, I would say, the forest. You all look at the forest and you see trees, you see roads, you see lakes, but it's the kingdom of God. There's potatoes out there. There's syrup out there. There's, there's garlic out there. There's berries out there. There's meat out there. We all live in a society of materialistic things. It's all out there. We have been trained by the politicians to, to live like this, but actually the way it used to be was all out there in the wilderness. And so, and, and I, I, I watch, because thank God for YouTube, even though man made it, Every day, I search on YouTube for survival techniques, and I learn so much more. And right now, for the Aboriginals, I'm learning from them. 
you wouldn't believe what the elders know yeah. that, that are out there. I mean, I know like 10 ways to start a fire without a match or a big lighter, okay? And, and so my kingdom of God is the forest. And when I was younger, I go, oh yeah, I'll go camping and drinking in the forest. But now my, 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 my idea is I can live out here. I mean, every, now I understand where the aboriginals were coming from. You're ruining our land. You're, you're ruining all this stuff. Well, yes, we are. I mean, we are. And, and I don't know what else to say. We got to save our, our forces. But that's our kingdom is the force. Hi, Christine. Hi. So I had, I had another thought about the parable of the hidden treasure. Great. And I, I don't know if this is very theologically correct. But what I thought was maybe, the, um, maybe this person came along and they saw the field and they saw all this uncultivated treasure. Mm. Like he saw the value in the field that the person who owned it didn't see and was completely overlooking. And so he was like, wow, this has so much potential that this owner doesn't see. I'm going to buy it and make, make the potential out of it. Wow, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Hi there. <laughs> okay, so what image came to mind for me was um, grows quickly. Yeah. Um, also in the media this past week, there was an article from a bus driver who had um, who had talked about, you know, when people get off the bus, they say thank you, mm. and he he was really impressed with this. You know, just the the hospitality, the kind heart. Um, of the people in Canada, he was really impressed by it. And um, for me, I mean, hospitality is, being First Nations myself, is like our A-game, right? Mm -hmm. my, grandma, my grandmother was a great example of that. You know, is she just, um, when I think of my grandmother, you know, what comes to mind is, you won't leave here like you came, in mm. Jesus' name. Wow. And that was, you know, it was how she greeted people. When you came to her home, she gave you a nice warm hug, and, and she'd invite you, give you a seat, glass of water, whatever you needed. And in five minutes, you know, I swear she'd have a feast in five minutes. She was ready to feast anybody and everybody. She was always ready. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. My idea of the kingdom of heaven is we're very different in many ways. We're diverse. We come from different cultures. And I believe that God is in the process, like his business, of restoring things that were broken, cultures that have been stripped. And I can speak for myself because I know the day that I was graduating from UBC, I wore my button blanket, 
and I felt like royalty. Mm. Now, many people don't understand the connections that we have to our culture, and one of them is through the button blanket, and when we get up and dance and we sing, we always honor God. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about our people, about how we grew up immersed, loving the Creator, mm-hmm. Father God. But we, we just didn't know the correct way of Jesus. We only learned about Jesus in a very hurtful, brainwashed way. But Jesus loves us so much that he, re- he is in the business. He came to earth to restore us. Mm-hmm. So right now, our people are in the process. We're like the unleavened bread, mm-hmm. our native people. And mm-hmm. I believe every culture on this earth has a gift in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And we are all like pearls. Every culture is so unique. But we have something precious in this world. And I believe that's what the enemy came in to destroy. But God did not allow it totally to be extinguished. Now, he put in my heart as a little child the drumbeat and a love of singing of our native songs that I created my own. And I taught my people how to Indian dance when I was a little girl because I was so something in me from the day I was born by the campfire. And the words that my grandfather and my great-grandmother left with me stayed in there like a spark. And I believe that's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's never totally extinguished, even though we go through many hurts, many trials, many tribulations. And as a First Nations person, our people have never lost community. In spite of what happened to our residential schools, the stripping down of families, That was one of the things that I saw that we never lost, and the love of the land, and the teachings of our elders. And I tell you, there's so much our Vineyard Church has not learned yet. And it's always been on my heart to go home with my people to start to introduce you to the leaders and the the people in our community that will really share this knowledge. Mm -hmm. I believe it cannot just be, there's no other way to say it but to say that it's, you know, like the whitewashed walls. It's real, and what you had to share, I want you to know, is real, and that's what I've been trying to say to the church for years. I believe God is going to bring us into a new era where we do have to learn how to survive off the land, Mm. and I believe that God brought me to this church for that purpose. I just didn't know how to say it in words, Mm. but you really, because I believe hard times are coming for our whether we like it or not, people, because our elders were telling us, even before the vineyard came, get ready, Jesus is coming back. Vultures were in our territory. Big, huge African vultures. Two over near lower post. I said, that rotten, lying enemy, you know, he wants to change things up so much that things will not be recognized, like, you know? But the kingdom of God, what did he promise? He will never change the seasons. So that's our hope, and that's what I need to share about the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I do believe that it is lunchtime. So, um, so go. Uh, go in the grace. My water bottle down for this. <laughs> 
Go in the grace of God, in the love of Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Go now uh, with peace in your hearts, uh, today and always. Amen. Amen. Yeah, downstairs and outside, there's tons of food, there's going to be music, um, so please stay.